the rare Champion of Hope Awards honor individuals and foundations who are making exceptional strides when it comes to rare disease advocacy and change. On November 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern, Global Genes will honor the awardees in this year's Rare Champion of Hope celebration. This is always one of the most moving events for me of the year, and it, it's a chance to hear from really remarkable people doing extraordinary work on behalf of the rare disease community. There's no cost to join in the celebration. If you'd like to register to watch the event, go to globalgenes.org and pull down the events tab. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. While gene editing therapy is promised to dramatically change the way that rare genetic diseases are treated, one challenge has been to find ways to deliver them directly into the body rather than first altering a patient's cells in the lab and reinfusing them. Eacure is developing mutation agnostic in vivo gene editing therapies to address liver diseases. The company has exclusive licensing rights to three liver disorder programs from the University of Pennsylvania's gene therapy program and an option to license more than 10 additional candidates. We spoke to Joe Truitt, CEO of Eacure, about its in vivo gene editing therapies, its focus on liver diseases, and how it's leveraging its partnership with Penn's gene therapy program. Joe, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for uh, the invite. We're going to talk about Eacure, its efforts to develop in vivo gene editing to treat and potentially cure liver diseases, and the opportunities for this approach. Eacure is built on a collaboration with James Wilson of the University of Pennsylvania Gene Therapy Program. What's the relationship? Are you just commercializing technology developed there, or is their ongoing interaction and collaboration with the GTP? Yeah, thanks for that question, Danny. It's uh, it's actually a um, fascinating how the company uh, came to be. Uh, the the organization of Eacure was really built around work that Jim Wilson and the gene therapy program at Penn have been working on for multiple years. Uh, so as a new company, uh, we actually have some uh, pretty extensive data sets dating back, you know, five years where Jim had started this work. And so as this data matured, uh, it became very uh, apparent that this was going to be an attractive uh, data set and something that should be, you know, certainly investigated for clinical development. And so the company was formed around the data. And the way that the company is structured, interestingly, is that, you know, typically in, a, in other pharmaceutical companies or biotech companies uh, that I've uh, worked in or, or ran, you know, we would have our own research engine where we had our own biologists and chemists and toxicologists. Uh, but in this case, the way we've structured this agreement is the gene therapy program and the Wilson lab will work on all the preclinical work 
the toxicology, the early stage manufacturing, the early uh, regulatory operations and, and submissions. And we'll take the programs all the way up to the IND phase where the baton will be handed off. And this is somewhat uh, different than most academic uh, collaborations where uh, Jim's team with all of their experience and their hundreds of, of talented uh, employees are taking the programs a little bit further than uh, academic um, institutions traditionally have. So it ends up being very beneficial for the company where I don't have to go out and hire and, and build this whole infrastructure so I can leverage the collaboration where Jim's team will do all the work. They'll hand the baton off at the IND phase and then EACURE will be responsible for everything from the IND forward, which includes all the clinical development and commercialization. EACURE describes this as gene insertion. Are you only adding something or are you doing anything to correct or change a faulty gene? Yeah, so the, the diseases that we'll be pursuing are diseases where there's um, where the genes are, are not functioning. And so what uh, what the approach is, is the introduction of a new healthy gene um, into the into the uh, patient to uh, to correct, to, you know, to correct the, um, uh, the faulty gene. And that's the idea here. So we're not modifying existing genes um, or or um, or, you know, tinkering with the patient's DNA. We're actually inserting. Uh, a new healthy donor gene. What happens inside the body once a patient is dosed? Yeah, so what what happens is uh, the way it's delivered is through what we call a dual vector uh, approach where we use a meganuclease that's uh, delivered via an, an, an AAV. And then we also deliver the donor gene also via the AAV. And it's targeted specifically to the liver, which is the focus of EACURE is really uh, liver disorders. And what happens is there's a, a break that occurs at the, at the, um, in, the, uh, in the DNA. And the, the donor gene is then inserted um, in, and that's how it works. So we, we, don't, we don't knock out or replace a gene. We actually insert a new gene. So as I mentioned, the viral vector is programmed and is targeted to the liver. We deliver the meganuclease, which in this case is the Arcus-2, uh, which we've licensed from Precision Bio. There is a break at the PCSK9 locus, and that break opens up a place for the donor gene to enter. And then the new healthy gene gets translated and read by the cell. And then the cell creates the you know, the new protein, and then that allows the, the body to function function normally. There are two qualities to your therapies that add to their promise. I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk a little about the implications of each of these. The first is that it's mutation agnostic. Sure. So in, in these monogenetic uh, liver disorders, you know, it's not a single mutation in the gene. You know, let me use, for example, the OTC or quarantine carbamylase deficiency gene that we're going after. Um, when we when we go in to replace that defective gene, 
there could be hundreds of mutations. So if you were if you were going to try to create a cure or a product and you were only going after one of the mutations or one of the uh, specific mutations, it would only work in that one area. But by being mutation agnostic, by delivering the healthy gene, we can cover all of the mutations. The other quality is that these are in vivo therapies. What are the consequences of being able to deliver these as in vivo therapies? Yeah, so by delivering the gene, and in particular what we're talking about here, this first first evolution in gene editing is in the uh, neonatal population. So these are uh, diseases that we're focusing in on newborns. And by delivering the gene into the newborn liver, then the as the new gene is expressed, it's taken up because of the of the way that the uh, newborn liver uh, kind of expands and divides over time. So we kind of use the the biology of the newborn of the newborn and their liver. Uh, so by putting that gene in, it becomes part of the uh, you know becomes part of the um, the genome of the patient. I take it there are real cost advantages, though, to being able to deliver this as an in vivo therapy. Yeah, I, I would say um, this is not, you know, this is the first generation. So I think, you know, the idea of being able to deliver this, this would be delivered by IV. Again, two vectors would go into the patient and the idea is one and done. So you would only do this one time. And the idea would be to pro- provide, you know, the treatment one time and hopefully lead to a cure for these diseases. You're focused on liver diseases. Delivery has been a challenge for these types of therapies. What makes the liver accessible for targeting? Yeah, so um, as you may have noticed the uh, in the e-cure communication, we've talked about novel uh, AAVs. Um, you know, the Wilson Lab and the Gene Therapy Program have been working on AAV delivery for a decade. And so the 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 a the vectors and the AVs that we're working on are novel, new, specifically targeted to the liver, and so that's how we can get these um, uh, get the meganuclease and the donor DNA right to the uh, target organ. Well, what makes the liver a relatively targetable organ compared to other parts of the body? Well, it's it has to do with the technology that we're we're working with, right? Because it's designed to go to the liver. That's the diseases that we're looking at. And and that's why it's attractive because there are a, a number of very severe uh, monogenetic diseases that are, uh, that, you know, derive from the liver. EACURE started life with a pipeline of three programs and an option on 10 more. How do you prioritize indications given your large number of programs to choose from? Right. So we, we're starting, um, as you may anticipate, with the most severe uh, diseases that have unmet need, uh, things like OTC, um, where, you know, the patient outcome is not very good and, and there's this high mortality, very high morbidity. So we're starting with those. And then over time, as we as we can, you know, create these products for these diseases, we're going to move down the continuum We'll continue to look for the, the most severe um, diseases with significant unmet need, and then we'll move on into broader diseases over time, or at least that's the plan. And so there's just a process where we do the evaluation of the, the landscape 
you know, does are there treatments available and does our technology make um, make sense to be applied in this case? And then we would kind of do the traditional animal models and, and, and make sure that it, it that it makes sense and then get it prepared for the clinic. Let's start with that program in OTC. What is it and how does it manifest itself and progress? Yeah, so it's a uh, so OTC is a urea cycle disorder. So because of a defective gene, the, uh, the patient does not process ammonia, and when you don't process ammonia, it, it leads to neuro damage or brain damage, and in many cases, death. I mean, it's all due to this defective uh, OTC gene, and so by replacing the defective gene with a healthy gene we can then normalize the patient to process ammonia in a normal way, or at least this is the, uh, you know, the idea of what we're pursuing. And therefore the patient will not only live, but potentially not have any damage to their, uh, to, to the neuro system. And so that's, you know, that's kind of what we're pursuing in the first indication, which is OTC. What treatment options exist today and what's the prognosis for a patient with the condition? Yes, it's a it's a really uh, devastating disease. Uh, it's a you know it it's a disease of newborns um, because when the patients are born and they have this uh, this defect, uh, they don't process the ammonia, and uh, a significant percentage um, will pass. Those that survive are basically rushed to a, a tertiary center where they are usually given a stent in their liver to try to uh, remove the ammonia and then eventually move the patient uh, to a transplant, a liver transplant. Um, but unfortunately, once the, um, once the ammonia gets into the, into the brain, um, many of these uh, patients have uh, significant um, you know, brain damage. Well, what's known about the therapy from studies that have been done to date? Yeah, so we've been, uh, so the Wilson lab has been working um, on this for, for uh, many years. And what's known is that in the animal models, it looks like we're, um, there's some promise that the, in the animal models where there's an OTC defective uh, animal that we're able to have an impact on the biomarkers like, like ammonia and also the expression of, of OTC. So it looks, it, you know, it looks uh, promising. And now the next step will be to complete all the preclinical work and then begin dialogue with the uh, regulators about a potential uh, clinical program. How about the safety of the approach? Are there any concerns about potential off-target effects? Well, so this is uh, some, as I talked about in the beginning of the uh, of our, our discussion, uh, some of the excitement around eCure has to do with uh, the Wilson Lab having worked on uh, um, for many years on, on these approaches. And so some of the, uh, some of the animals have been, uh, have been treated and are in a, what we would call, you know, longer term data where they've been, uh, you know, have been tracked for over four years and it seems like the patient, the, you know, the, uh, the animals are doing well. And, you know, there's a series of studies that were done to get us to this point, but the way I would characterize it is that it looks promising there's a there's good rationale for moving um, towards the clinic and engaging the regulators about how we can get uh, a potential treatment for this terrible 
uh, disease into the clinic to bring it to patients. And so, so it's a, you know, there's always, um, you know, challenges when you're translating from animal models to humans, but as we look at the data, it, it looks very, uh, very good to date. EACURE launched in September with $50 million in venture funding led by Versant Ventures and Orbimed Advisors. How are you using that money and, and how far will it take you? Yeah, so we're, um, so we're using the money to, uh, to stand up the AB manufacturing, to move these clinical, uh, these preclinical programs to conclusion, um, and to move uh, to move into the clinic with with uh, the OTC program. Um, so it's a it's quite a full court press uh, that's going on. Uh, we're moving as rapidly as we can because you know ultimately, as uh, as uh, Wilson likes to say, you know we we need to get this these uh, products to patients as quickly as possible. So that's our objective. It, it looks like the capital that we've raised will take us through the end of 2022. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll, we're just working on, uh, on execution right now, and then we'll, we'll be, um, you know, exploring finan- uh, financing op- opportunities for the company as we move forward. From a clinical point of view, what's the timing? Yeah, it looks like we should be able to file or at least we should be able to have regulatory interactions in, in late 22, early 23. And I would anticipate that if all of that uh, goes according to plan, that we would be in the clinic by the second half of 2023. Joe Truitt, CEO of EACURE. Joe, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.